the palm of God's hand and despite the things that this world tries to throw at us, we know who's in charge, not just of our lives, but of the world, and that he is going to work everything out for his honor and glory and for our good as long as we trust in him. Would you stand with me as we get ready to start our worship service and we'll begin with prayer if you can stand. If not, I understand. <laughs> Father, we do praise you for your son. Um, we're going to sing a little bit later on. He is our all in all. We, everything that we are, everything that we have, everything that we ever hope to be is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. Uh, we were nothing. We were lost and sinking in sin. We were hopeless, helpless, worthless. And yet you loved us. You sent your son to die for us, that you could redeem us to yourself and give us all the riches and glory we have in Christ Jesus the things we have to look forward to, one day being in your presence, a new body, a new home, rewards for serving you, which is outlandish, that you would send your spirit to work through us and accomplish things and then give us a reward on top of that for a job well done. I know in all of our hearts, Father, we pray that one day we will stand before you and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, that we have accomplish the things on earth that you have for us to do, that we would bring glory to you in the things that we do in our lives. Pray for this morning as we sing these songs. We thank you for the voices you've given us, for the songs that you've given to people that we can sing honoring you and lifting each other up in encouragement. Just use all of these songs. Use your word as Steve shares the things that you've shown him this week as he looked into your word to do the same, to encourage us, to remind us of how much you love us and how much you've given us, that we would be thankful, grateful servants of Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. I'm going to start out with a great song. It's about an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory and how he brought to us the V word, victory. We have victory in Jesus Christ, victory over sin, victory over everything in our lives, victory in Jesus. Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus. My Savior forever, 
sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing. How he made the lame to walk again, and he caused the blind to see. And then I cried, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming love. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. That third verse says, about the streets of gold, you know, if you got a job up in heaven, you had to be a street sweeper or working on the street. That wouldn't be a bad job, would it? Be a goldsmith. That would that'd be pretty good. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Beautiful um, scripture song. This was written for by uh, Steve Phelps, I believe, one of his uh, scripture songs that he wrote. Um, take it for First Timothy one fifteen to seventeen about the, the honor and glory that's due God our Father. He's the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God. Unto Him is due the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Now unto the King eternal, now unto the King immortal, now unto the King invisible, to the only God. Now unto the King be honor, now unto the King be glory. Now unto the King forever and ever. Amen. 
it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance Christ Jesus came into the world to save save sinners who are foremost of all now unto the King immortal now unto the King immortal now unto the King invisible to the only God now unto the King be honor now unto the King be glory now unto the King forever and ever Amen for this reason I found mercy that me as the foremost Christ Jesus might show perfect patience an example for those who believe now unto the King eternal now unto the King immortal now unto the King invisible to the only God now unto the King be honor, now unto the King be glory, now unto the King forever and ever, amen, and ever, amen, and ever, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I don't know why Steve likes to always take it up a key and then play hard chords, but <laughs> we, met, we muddled through, didn't we? <clears throat> it's a great song of testimony for all of us. Um, I have a question. You can raise your hand if you like. How many of you all have seen a difference in your life since Jesus came into your life? <laughs> all right, we got a 100% group there. I'm glad to see it. Uh, Jesus gives peace where there's worry and fear. He gives hope where there is none. He gives joy where there's sadness and despair. And the Bible talks about those who lose loved ones who have no hope because they don't know where they're going. But as Christians, we know that when someone we love that knows Jesus passed away, they're in God's presence. They're a whole lot better off than we are. And there's so many changes that come in our lives when Jesus comes in. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought. What a wonderful change in my life has been brought Since Jesus came into my heart I have light in my soul for which love I have sought Since Jesus came into my heart Since Jesus came into my heart since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. 
since Jesus came into my heart. I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart. And my sins, which are many, are all washed away since Jesus came into my heart. Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul like a sea, billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. I shall go there to dwell in that city I know, since Jesus came into my heart. And I'm happy, so happy, as onward I go, since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. I don't get you going, your getter's broke. <laughs> Before Jesus left, one of the last things that he told his disciples, the, one of the last commands that he really gave them, was to love one another. And as John writes in one of his epistles in the end, this is how people know that we're Christians because we have love one for another and love for them. That's a love, the agape love, the real love of God is a product of the Holy Spirit living in you and the world doesn't know what it is. They can't really understand. But they can see it in us and know and ask and we can tell them about a Savior who can give them that. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. We are having, we are having some trouble here, aren't we? What, did, that could not possibly have gone off that bad.
that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another, a Before Steve comes up, um, each of us have to recognize our own sin before we can come to a Savior for the cleansing that we need until that was the problem with the Pharisees. They never saw sin in their life. They, they didn't need a Savior. They were holy. They were righteous. But for the rest of us, we recognize that there's nothing good in us. Nothing dwells in us. Our heart is desperately wicked and we need a Savior. We are sinking in sin. And Jesus and his love lifted us. I was sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Very deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, I say, Am I? Love lifted even me, love lifted even me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Love lifted me when nothing else could help. 
Love lifted me. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Our scripture reading today is found in the book of Matthew, first gospel, first book of the New Testament, um, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. This is part of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. So you may follow around in a, in a uh, Bible you brought with you. There should be one in front of you in the pew if you don't have one, or you can simply listen to the Word of God. Matthew 6, 1 to 13. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. But when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, it's easy in a world where everybody is trying to get accolades and be noticed and be number one and and have their name in lights and go down in history somehow. This world so desires to try and bring us into that mindset that we need to lift ourselves up. We need to get some recognition. We need to be number one. When everything in your word tells us we need to humble ourselves. We need to glorify you, not us. You're the one who does it all. You're the one who's living in us and giving us the power to accomplish the things we do. We should give you the glory. We should be constantly recognizing what you're doing in us, telling others about your great works and your great glory in us, not trying to get rewards for ourselves. Help us to recognize where our rewards are. 
to be able to have that heavenly mindset to know that as we serve you, as we live for you, as we do things for you, we're laying up treasures in heaven for ourselves, crowns that we can cast at your feet because we recognize you're the one doing it anyway. Help us to recognize when we humble ourselves under your mighty hand, you will exalt us in due time. Maybe not in this land, in this world, but you've promised to reward us for everything we do for you, and we thank you for that. We praise you for all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Glad you all could be with us on this Lord's Day. Indeed, this is the day that the Lord has made, the Lord that he has given us. Here at uh, Hope Bible Church, you know that we focus on the truth of God, our name Hope Bible Church. We look to the Bible because that's what we need to know and understand. That's how we need to live our lives. Whether it relates to you, your family, this church, or the whole world, that's what is needed, is truth. I was reading... I'm going through the prophets. I'm reading Jeremiah. And um, I'm going to read a couple verses here. But you want to understand what's going on, whether it's in your life or in the world or why there's problems. This tells us. Just a couple verses here. Talking about Israel. says, This is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord its God or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. And then he goes on. It says they cling to deceit. They refuse to return. Not one of them repent of their wickedness, saying, What have I done? My people do not know the requirements of the Lord. It says the wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped since they've rejected the word of the Lord. That was their problem. God gave them all the truth they needed, but they rejected the truth of God. And, and I say that in, in a sobering way for each of us here. Because how you handle the truth, what you do with the truth that God gives you will definitely affect your life. So you think about that this morning as you go through life, the truth that God gives you. And I know that God gives you truth from his word. How are you handling it? Are you thinking about it? Are you acting on it? Are you obeying it? Or are you rejecting it? That is, sometimes we can reject it, but just not applying it not by thinking about it. So I, I say this is, is really an instruction, an exhortation to all of us here to have the truth in our hearts, to love the truth and to follow the truth, to obey the truth. Today we're going to be talking about the truth of hope, the truth of rewards. There's much said about this in the Bible. And every Christian needs hope if he's to live in a, in a godly and God-glorifying way, if he's to be successful and fruitful for the Lord. Can you imagine what it would be like if you had no hope, no future, nothing to look forward to? I mean, life would be difficult. Life would be very, very hard. And the truth of the gospel, the message of salvation, that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again from the dead, is the means then by which we can have eternal life, by which we can have a future, by which we can have hope. And this hope means that we will be ones who defeat death, that we will be raised again from the dead, that that we will have a most wonderful and glorious time with the Lord and other believers and in heaven in a brand new body. That's what God wants to give us. And so as Christians, we need to have something to live for, to look forward to, 
and then we can think positively about the future. Otherwise, we'll be discouraged. We want to give up. We want to quit. If we don't have hope, if we are not hopeful, then we will be hopeless, and that is the fact. Talking about hope, we're not talking about what we think might happen. We, we're talking about what we know God is going to do, about what God is, has told us that he is going to, to give us. And we're talking about something permanent, something that we're going to experience in the future, particularly after this life here on this earth, in heaven and on earth, in the ages to come, and for all eternity. So it's a big subject. Your life here is 60, 70, 80, 90 years or so. And then forever and ever. Very important. First Peter 4 or 5 says that God has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. As soon as you become a Christian, you have hope. It's guaranteed. For God does not go back on his word. God will make sure that you receive what he has promised you when it comes to your future, when it comes to hope says here that this hope is a living hope. This word hope, of course, just means that God has a future for you, that you'll see and experience his blessings, particularly after this life on this earth. The fact that it's living means that it's true. This hope is true. It's transformative. It changes your life. It will have a dramatic impact on how then you live your life here in the present, knowing that God has a most wonderful future for you. It should really affect then how you live your life on this earth. So you need hope. It helps you to keep living for God, to keep running the race that God has for you, especially especially when you feel emotionally or physically or relationally or spiritually tired, not doing so good. It helps you to keep going for God even when you have trials, and all of you have trials. All of you have had trials this past week. I know that. That's the way life is. It helps you keep going when you have even difficult trials or when you're physically sick or when you're sad about something. That's what God wants to do, give you hope. It says, and I love this verse, Romans 18, sums it up so well. I consider that the, the, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So hope means, you know, the sun. That is, the S-O-N is still shining even when it is a spiritually cloudy day. It means you know it's worth it to live the Christian life because you'll be greatly rewarded in the future. It means you know the difficulties and trials that you're going through now will come to an end. It means that you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It means you know that the best is yet to come. It's like running a race. When you run a race, you know that it'll end. You know that there's a finish line. Got an email from Steve Phelps last night. He might have known this, but he was preparing for this bike race. It was for a, a Christian cause, Christian charity. And so he'd been practicing the last few months, and so I got the email back, and it was a 100-mile race. It took him seven hours and 14 minutes, going about 14.3 miles an hour. He finished it, so I was really encouraged to hear that. And, you know, it's not easy to do that. And I could, if I bike about two miles, that's about all I can do. But anyway, so he finished his 100-mile race. But then below that, very interesting, he had a picture of Vicky, his wife's gravestone. They just placed it there the other day. The picture, you know, Vicky Barefoot Phelps, July 4th, 1954, December 1st, 2021. And I thought, you know, she ran the race. 
she finished the race. Steve ran this, or biked this 100-mile race, and she finished her race. And that's a good reminder, that gravestone there, a picture of the fact that she finished the race that God had for her. So we have a race. We know there's an end. We know then that there are also prizes for those who run and finish the race. And by God's grace, each one of you here who are believers in Christ, you will finish the race. It's not a question. Some people wonder, hey, am I going to make it? If you're a true Christian, you're going to make it. The promise is clear. One I've shared many times. 1 Corinthians 1.8, God will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So on one hand, it's really not up to you. It's up to God. And God promises you he will keep you going to the end. That's just one of many promises. Hope motivates you to be steadfast, to endure, to keep living for God. It, hopes to, it hope helps you to not give up, to not quit, but to persevere to the end. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Many, many verses in the Bible on hope. These are some encouraging ones here. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses, I believe, 16 and 17. We'll start, yeah, verse 16, 17. And let's go 18 too. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, for momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, things which are not seen are eternal. To successfully go through the days and months and years of this life, you must have hope. You must know that this eternal weight of glory that's talked about here in these verses infinitely outweighs the temporary and the microscopically small trials that you go through. Sometimes you don't feel that way. You're going through some trial. This is hard. I can't make it. No, God says what he's got for you is infinitely more than that, and that then should encourage you. I want to mention for you, summarize really the principal primary aspects of this hope, ones we've talked about before, but we're talking here today about hope and also rewards, and you'll understand the distinction here just in a few minutes. But first of all, and most importantly, you'll be with Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, the coming King. The one who loves you far more than anyone else in this world. The one who can't wait to be with you. Number two, you'll be given a brand new body. A perfect, a powerful body. Wonderful body. Glorious. Spiritual body. 1 John 3, 2 says, We know that when Christ appears, we'll be like him. He'll be different, but you'll be like him. That is, you'll have the same kind of body. Amazing. A glorious body. Third, you'll be in heaven. Be in the heavenly Jerusalem, a holy, magnificent, awesome, and glorious place, a place that Christ himself has prepared for you. Turn your Bible to John chapter 14. Important words. He was sharing these words to the disciples, his last major message to them. Knowing that he was leaving, he didn't want them to be troubled. Verse 1, chapter John 14, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That is, have faith. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. If 
I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That is, he wants us to be with him. And he's prepared a place for us. It says in his house, there's many dwelling places. I believe this is speaking of the New Jerusalem talked about in Revelation 21. Many dwelling places. But he's going to prepare a place for you. I believe it's already done. I mean, some people question whether it is. I, I don't know for sure. But I think it is. God's got a place prepared for you. A place that he wants just for you and for all of us as believers. Fourth, you'll be with the believers. And specifically with friends and family members that you knew on this earth. Friends and family you knew on this earth. And, and this is very interesting because you think about this. We're here in this church. There's, you look at people. You see each other. And we're friends. So there's family. And you think about the fact that in heaven we're going to be with each other a lot. You think about the times now. <laughs> get used to this. We're going to be together forever and ever. And I think more so with the people that you knew on earth. I really believe that. And so you think about that. You know, somebody here passes away. We'll see each other again and forever and ever and ever. Very important truth. Fifth, you'll have a wonderful purpose. Important and eternal reason for living for you'll be one who is perfectly and eternally loving and serving God and loving and serving others. Verse in Psalm 145, 2. A lot of verses like this, and we don't oftentimes think of them in view of our hope and our future, but very simple one. You, most of you know this. It says, every day I will bless you, and I'll praise your name forever and ever. Every day here in this life, you're to be one who is praising the Lord. And then it says, I will praise your name forever and ever. That's your hope, worshiping God. It says it right there. It's going to happen. If you're a believer in Christ, if you love him today, not perfectly so. I know that I don't always love him perfectly so. But you're his child. You'll worship him forever and ever. That's, I believe, your ultimate primary purpose. Six, you receive an inheritance. Romans chapter 8, 16 and 17 says that believers are ones who are heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. And that's a loaded statement. Heirs of God and fellow heirs of Christ. You're all aware that you might know, know somebody that they had a parent who was a very rich parent, and they got a pretty good-sized inheritance. Said, wow, that's pretty nice. It's nothing compared to the fact that you, as a child of God, that God himself is your father, that you are heir of God and a fellow heir of Christ, joint heir with Christ. Matthew 5, 5, you know this verse. You've heard it many times. It says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's a New Testament verse, right? It's talking about us as Christians. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what the verse said? You will inherit the earth. It's hard to even comprehend that. But, but the fact is, you're a joint heir with Christ. And Christ, of course, inherits the entire earth. We see this in Psalm 2, other places as well. He'll be the king. It says in, Matt, it says in Revelation 5.10 that we will reign with Christ. We inherit the earth as well. Go to Psalm 37, five different times. Talk about the Jews, but the verses there relate to us as well. As well. Five different times, making this point so clear. In those verses, it says, you will inherit the land. You Jewish people, you Jewish believers, and now us as Christian believers, we will inherit the land. It's just part of what God wants 
to give us. There are other words and phrases that describe your future, words that you really need to think about because they will encourage you, they will fill you with hope, they will just flood your soul with the love that God has for you. And the first truth does relate to love. That Psalm 136, you know this psalm, the 22 verses I believe it is, and every verse it has that phrase, his loving kindness is everlasting. So when you think about your hope, this is important. Experiencing the love of God in a full, complete, rich way every, every minute of your eternal life. That's what we're saying. His loving kindness is everlasting. Psalm 1611, it says, In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Now we have earthly pleasures. You're all aware of earthly pleasures. We're talking here about heavenly pleasures. And again, it's hard to know exactly what this means. But there'll be positive and joyful experiences that God wants us to have. And what's it say there? Pleasures for how long? Forever. Forever. This is part of your hope. This one, Psalm 31:19 says, How great is your goodness which you have stored up for those who fear thee. So your future hope is what? It's goodness. God's going to continually show his goodness to you, his kindness to you in all kinds of ways, in amazing ways. That's what God's going to do for you. This next one here, turn to John 17, 24. We have these statements, this truth by Jesus, and it's sometimes really hard to know what he's saying. Because there is that one verse in Corinthians that says that no eye has seen, no eye has heard what God has prepared, what prepared for those who love. But he just really can't clearly tell us everything. But it is amazing. Verse 24, John 17. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am. You have to understand that Jesus Christ, your Savior, Lord, and King, really wants you to be with him probably much more than you ever want to be with him. He wants you to be with him so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you love me before the foundation of the world. And in that context, in that verse, he says, why do I want them to be with me so they can see my glory? Glory is one of those big words. Talk about totality of Christ. Talking about the fact that he is truth and that he is holiness, that he is full of power and wisdom and love and might and sovereignty and goodness and all these things. So when it says the glory, it's a big word experiencing all who Christ is and what Christ wants to give us. That's, that's what's going to happen. So we'll continually, for all eternity, because Christ is infinite, learning about the truth about God and Christ and, and I believe, the whole universe. Sometimes, I can't remember the name of this new telescope. They had the Hubble. Um, what's the next one? That new telescope that is amazing, much, much better than the Hubble. And some of these pictures are coming out recently, and you look at the universe, it's, wow. I mean, you've all seen these pictures, right? The stars? I mean, wow. It, it, it's just a huge mammoth universe. And we're here on this little earth, and I believe this is part of our future. We'll be learning about this universe that we live in. It's just incredible what God wants to do for us. Now, understand, what I've just shared for you is a general overview of the hope that God has for you. And what I've shared for you, shared to you here, is what God wants for every single believer, every single Christian, what God wants to give every Christian. That is 
you'll have a new body, that it shall be with Christ, that it shall be in heaven, that it shall be with other believers. All these are true for every Christian. Got it? Is that in your head? Got that in your mind? But I need to give you more details about the amazing future that God has for us. And it relates to how God will specifically bless you and personally reward you. So you understand what I'm saying? We're going from general hope to specifically on rewards. I want you to see the distinction. God gives all these Christians, every Christian, these different aspects of hope that will happen. But there are specific rewards. And what I've already said about your hope that you'll be with Jesus and all the believers and in heaven and with a new brand, brand new body is what's true for every, every Christian. And it's, it's really good. It, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it's incredible. It's magnificent. But there's also, and, so I, and, I, and I call this, what do I call it? I call this the basic plan. The basic plan that every Christian will receive. You all understand basic plans. You get the basic plan. Well, there's then the deluxe plan. Deluxe plan. Relates to how God wants to specifically and personally bless you for how you lived your life for him on this earth. This we're going to be talking about for this, the rest of the time and probably the next few weeks. I've said this in the past that it's a subject that I really regret not studying much, barely anything, the first 50 years of my Christian life. Um, I just haven't, whatever reason. But I've been looking at it a lot more in this last six months, last year. And from what I understand about Christianity out there and books that are written and messages that are given, not many people are still teaching on it. Just not, it's an untaught subject. That's why I need to take some time and go over some things and some over things so you understand it. Because for all of you here, I believe, or for at least most of you here, this is the first time you ever heard these things. Okay? So, it's an important subject for every Christian. And there's a whole lot in the New Testament about this. And I really believe that your understanding of this subject will have a huge impact on your Christian life and how you live your life for the Lord. Huge impact. Maybe one of the most dramatic impacts it's affected in a long time. Here are some verses on rewards. I'm just going to read them. Colossians 3, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. 2 Corinthians 5, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be, rep be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done. Matthew 6, 8 and 10, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. 1 Corinthians 3, he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. 1 Corinthians 3, 15, if any man's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved yet as through fire. All these verses then are about Christians and how God wants to bless them with rewards. But you notice the last verse talks about how some Christians won't be rewarded as much will suffer loss, meaning the loss of rewards, the loss of what God wanted to give them. And that's because it says in those verses there, their, their works will be burned up. They weren't good works. They were worthless. And, and you think about your life. All of you, knowing that you're not perfect, think about certain things you didn't like. Oh, that was not a good thing for God. I, that didn't work out so well. 
That was some, see, that's burned up. We all know that. All of us are smart enough to know that certain things in life aren't good and God won't bless them. They'd be burned up. No rewards for that part of your life. Okay, you, you understand that. So God rewards faithful Christians, those who lovingly and sincerely then live for him during their time on earth. Yet what these verses are saying, what this last verse says here, is that some Christians who will be in heaven will suffer loss. That means they'll suffer. Not the loss of salvation, but the loss of rewards. As a Christian, you can never lose your salvation. But you can lose the rewards that God wanted to give you. That's the point. And I really think this truth here will help even some people out there who believe that you can lose your salvation. I believe they're getting confused what maybe God says, what God does say. Hey, there's the truth of salvation that you have it and you'll be always saved. And the truth of rewards. That if you mess up in life, sin in different ways, you're going to lose those rewards, but you're not going to lose your salvation. That's important to understand. So all Christians, then, very simply, will be blessed in heaven. For some will be blessed more than others. It depends on how they loved and served God on this earth. Very simply. That's it. Very simple. But don't be confused. Don't mix up these two means of being blessed. And let me say this. I'm going to say it twice so you understand it. First of all, one mean of being blessed is being saved by grace, by your faith in the work of Christ. The other means is being, being rewarded by grace, by your work of faith for Christ. Get it? Very important. Number one, being saved by grace, by your faith in the work of Christ and be rewarded by grace, by your faith in the work, by your faith for Christ. Your work of faith for Christ. So let me summarize. There's what I call this basic plan that all Christians receive. Every person who's saved gets this basic plan, this hope, then there's a deluxe plan, which is the basic plan plus all the rewards that God wants to give those who love him and serve him during their life on earth. I want to just now share in the last part of the time some more thoughts about rewards. First of all, God is generous. God is a very generous God. And if you even think about your life now a little bit and are at least to some degree thankfulness because thankfulness will help to open up your minds and hearts to see the generosity of God in your own life. You think about your own life, man, God's very, very, is very generous. Very generous to me. Think of my wife, our family, and to many of you here, he's generous. God is generous. And we'll see God's generosity and love with all these rewards and all these ways that God wants to bless us in the future, in heaven and on earth and in the ages to come. Second, every Christian is unique. The rewards you receive from God. How about rewards now? Will be unique, specially planned, designed by God for you, for how you live for him while you're on this earth. And so, in heaven, there's no clones. Everybody's different, right? That's the way it is. And let me, let me give you at least three here specific differences. We'll all have a different appearance. You look different than everybody else. Different appearance. Secondly, different purpose. Same general purpose. We're all praising God. But specifically, you'll be different in your purpose. 
And, and finally, you'll be different in how God blesses you, the rewards that I'm talking about. So there's definitely this differentiation in heaven. Next point here is that God gives rewards to motivate you. Now, there's a debate about this a little bit, and I'll explain it some and more in the, in the future. Because some Christians, I don't care about rewards. I don't care. God wants to motivate you to get rewards. That's what he wants. People who run a race are motivated because they want to receive a prize, right? They don't want to just go along and jog in the race. They don't want to go off course. They don't want to do that, do they? No, they don't want to take time off. First, from age 20, from college days, 20 or so to about 40, I would run. That was my means of exercise until my knees got a little bit sore. And I'd run three, four, five times a week, a mile and a half, two miles. But I always knew there was an end, right? This thing's going to end. There's a finish to this race. And so as, 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 as Christians, we should be ones who want to finish the race and not be ones who don't care about winning or not. God wants you to care about winning the race that God has set before you. He wants you to care, and he wants you to really win for the Lord. Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter... Well, first go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1, therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It says very clearly, you should think about your life. You should not want to be doing sinful things and get encumbered by things that weigh you down. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I believe, my opinion is that God's got a personal race for each one of us. The race is the same in general. We can see that in the Bible. But there's a personal race that God has for you that he has set before you that he wants you to run. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24 to 27. Reading here about Paul. Back in those days, I believe you're aware of this, they had the Olympics. And there were races. There were contests. And he understood that. And in that context, he's sharing these verses here. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified. There's some out there in the Christian world. Hey, I'm saved. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to heaven. If they have that attitude, they may not be going to heaven. I'll just say that. But there are some true Christians who can think that way. I'm forgiven. God does not want you to have that kind of attitude. He wants you to know that you're in a race. You're to win the race and you're to win the prize. That's what he wants. I run in such a way 
It's not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I discipline my body and make this my body and make it my slave so that after I preach others, I myself will not be disqualified. Disqualified, not meaning you'll lose your salvation. Lose the rewards, the prize that God wants to give us. Christians then are to be like this, be motivated. And we are to be motivated by winning the race, by receiving the prize. Because you know what that means? That means we've worked hard for God. That means we've done what God wanted us to do. And that God is pleased, as it says in Matthew 25, 21, what does Jesus say? Well done, good and faithful slave. Well done. You see, because that person, and we'll look at this story in a few weeks, did what God wanted him to do. So that means even today, there's a leg of the race you're running today, September 18th, 2022. I think this way. We should all think this way. We're in a race. You pace yourself, as I said last week. Pace yourself. I mean, I take naps. I get tired. I got to sleep. I got to rest. Pace yourself, yes, but you run the race. That's what God wants for each and every one of us here, to run the race and to win the prize. And that relates to rewards. Okay? Fourthly, this truth about rewards means... Your whole life is important. That's what I've just been talking about. God wants to reward everything you do for him. That means everything. God wants to reward everything you do for him today and tomorrow and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the rest of this week, the rest of this month, the rest of this year, and the rest of your life. Every day. Every day is important. He wants you to reward you for how you serve him and serve others. He wants to reward you for how you use your time. God gives you time every day. In so many days, so many years, it's a gift from God to you. How you use your time, how you use your money. Money is one of the simplest ways to see how you're doing as a Christian. Are you spending your money? Yes, you basic needs, but for the purposes of God. Reward you for how you use your time and your money how you serve him, and also how you use the gifts and abilities you have. Because, again, every one of us are different. We're all unique. We should never, ever compare ourselves with others. And so, it's means your whole life counts. Your whole life counts and has value. And everything you do for the Lord then has not just value, but eternal value, and then can result in eternal rewards. The next point relates to this. Wards you receive, in my opinion, have little to do with how you are spiritually gifted. I'll give you a simple example. Some might say, Billy Graham, that great evangelist, he's going to be really rewarded in heaven. Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. 1 Corinthians 4, we're not looking at this verse today, it says... You don't know what's in the heart of a person. Only God, and God is one who judges, not just outcomes, but also heart, motivations. Point is this. God makes everyone unique, and he doesn't want you to ever, ever, ever compare yourself with somebody else. But rather use the gifts, the ability, and the time that God has given you, knowing that you are personally accountable to God, and that you'll personally be given the rewards that you deserve that God wants to give you. 
That's what it is. You are unique. You are special. You are specially gifted. This is how God wants you to think. This is how God wants you to think. 1 Corinthians 3, 8, which we've read before, I'll read again. Each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. It can't be any clearer, can it? Own reward according to his own labor. I mean, on one hand, this might be sobering. My Lord, I've, I've not quite lived the way I'm supposed to live. Philippians 3 says, forget what lies behind. Forget it. The past. Forgiven. Forget it. But today, Lord, help me to live for you in the way that I need to live for you and to keep living for you. That's it. And that's the beauty, of course, of Christian life is we go ahead and we know this. Many verses about this. You stumble and fall, but you get up and you keep going. So that's it. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful life the Lord's given us that we're forgiven. That we're his children. He loves us. He's extremely patient and kind. All these things. We know this. Keep living for him. Next thing I want to say is this, is that everyone who's in heaven will be fully satisfied, fully happy, fully rejoicing. That is, everyone's glass will be completely full. Nobody's glass will be partly empty because of how they live their life on earth. God's giving you a glass to be completely full. That is, that is uh, maybe a person didn't fully live for God. A person may not have fully used the gifts that God gave them, may have gotten off course a few times or maybe quite a few times, but bottom line, in heaven, every Christian completely righteous in the eyes of God, completely loved by God, and continually then experiencing the blessings and the goodness and the pleasures of God forever and ever. So always remember that, because I just talked about rewards We've got to come down to this bottom line that no matter what happens, and everybody in heaven, hey, we're all excited, we're all happy, we're all thankful. That's the way it's going to be. One final, two final points. What you do in heaven and your relationships in heaven and how you reward in heaven are a result of how you live for the Lord in your life here on earth. Very important truth. That is, there's a direct connection between what you do in this life and what you do in the next life in heaven, the ages to come. Direct connection. Do you understand that? I'm not going to explain all this now, but the point is, is, is you have this basic hope that I've talked about. Then there are these rewards, and I believe the rewards that you get, and this really is taken from Matthew 25. If you recall there, Jesus said, and I'll just mention this one point. To the one, he says, you take charge of ten cities. I don't think that was just some nice thought. We've got responsibilities in the future, and it relates to how we're rewarded because of what we do in the present, you see? Direct connection between what you do in this life here, in this world now, and what you do in the next. And again, you'll all be happy and satisfied. Everything's good. But I'm just telling you what I believe the truth says. The other guy got five cities, and God rewards in different ways. Finally, God rewards you when Jesus Christ comes back. I read this first before I read it again. Behold, I'm coming soon, and I will reward everyone according to what he has done. But you see how this message on rewards gives real emphasis 
helps you to see that the life you live today has real value. Boy, this is, God has given me this life to live for him. Sometimes it's difficult because there's that sin nature wants to do things that aren't for God. And that's where God has to give us the grace to love him, to trust him, to serve him, to work for him, knowing that he wants to bless us and knowing, though, that ultimately our purpose is to be ones who are worshiping the Lord forever and ever and ever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. We bless you for just this truth about hope and rewards. And it's one that I think many of us don't really understand that well. But it's relevant. It's relevant today, tomorrow, for every day of our life, how we live for you. We're not just to be going along and doing our own thing. Lord, be living for you, knowing, God, that you're happy with that. And we're blessed personally in our own lives now. We'll be more encouraged as we live for you and serve you. Bless as he says, you'll bless us forever and ever in the future. And we thank you for that. Thank you for each one here, Lord. I just pray for your hand upon each of their lives. I pray you give me your grace and your peace. I know everyone here is going through different things. And I ask you, Father, to help us as we go through those tough times to keep moving ahead, knowing that you always give us the grace. Either you take away the difficulty or you give us the grace to get through it. And we thank you for that. But thank you for each one here, Lord. I want to do pray for Myrna and Don here, Myrna losing her younger sister, Lord, going to be to heaven the other day on Wednesday morning. Give grace to her and Don here and their whole family, Lord, and relatives. I, I pray because they need to be comforted. They also need to understand the truth that on Wednesday, Maria experienced the best day of her life. She was in heaven. Best day of her life. And that the, the future is bright. The hope we have is wonderful. And we grieve because we miss one who loved us, one that we loved. So I just pray for them. But help us all to see what that is. Even it says in Ecclesiastes that better is a day of mourning than feasting because it wakes us up to the reality. People are dying. And where are they going? Some are saved, some are lost. And thankfully for those who are saved, like Myrna's sister, it's, it's such a blessing. Have that hope to know that she is with you. And no pain, complete peace fully experiencing your love like never, ever before, meeting loved ones she's known, has known since the past. We thank you for that. But, Lord, thank you again for each one here. Help us to continue to live for you, Lord, every day. Give us the grace and peace to continue on for you. And, again, I love this truth about days. Give us one day to live at a time. One day, one day. And we live that day, we move on to the next day. One day, one day. Thank you for that. So God bless us, bless our church, bless Raphael and their church, Lord. Thank you for them, Tommy and the rest of the leaders there. Use them, God, for your purposes and glory and help us to be ones who work together for you as you would wish. But thank you again now for this time. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of announcements here. Bruce is with family, Carol's father, his mother this weekend, and, and do pray for um, them. The, the, the mother is, is in gradual decline, that is Bruce's mother, and so that's a difficult thing. She's older. I think she's 85 or 86, and just give them the grace and the wisdom there. But just a few things. First of all, our Bible study Wednesday, it'll be on John. Next Sunday is Matthew meal. Good time to be together. Bring some food that you want to share with the rest of us. And then I want to mention the details about, I mentioned to you, Maria Boske. Um, they were in church, and I can't remember, Myrna, if it was 10 years ago or so, but they were regular 
members here for a number of number of years, her and Emilio, the two children, Juju and Johnny. And so, so many of us here might remember Maria. Real sweet lady, real friendly, real kind. And she's come here. I'm, I think she was at Vicky's funeral. I think she might. She's come to different prophecy things, her and Amelia, through the years. So anyway, the services tomorrow, it's at Ham, Hamilton. It's on Hamilton. It's at Gonzalez Funeral Home. That's on Hamilton and Dale Mabry, right by the uh, Advent Hospital. They're not far from here on, on Dale Mabry on the right side. It's tomorrow from 5 to 8. It's a, uh, it's, a, it's a visitation and viewing time. And at 6 p.m., I'll be sharing uh, for a little bit. And then to have some music after that. So that's the plan. Tomorrow, 5 to 8, uh, the entire time. If you want to come early and visit, you want to come later and visit, you want to be there for the message I'm going to give uh, at 6 o'clock, you can be there at that time too. But do pray uh, for them. It's, it's some of the people that are coming tomorrow that know Maria uh, and Emilio are saved. Some are not saved. And it's a very important time, uh, I believe, where people can hear the truth and, and, and be encouraged and comforted. Um, by one another and the love that they have for them. So that's what uh, I want to mention. Uh, next, um, we, we mentioned, Bruce had mentioned having a, a time afterwards where some of the ladies can get together to talk about how they can have ladies' activities or events in the future. And, and I want to postpone that uh, meeting for two weeks from today, October 2nd. Some aren't here today. But, but the thought is this. As men, we have a once a month to get together. It's very encouraging, a very positive time. As well, let's see if the ladies went together and do something as well. But we'd rather ladies then get together to talk about that, what they want. So let's plan to do that in a couple weeks from now. And, and one more final thing. This is general encouragement here is to just be praying for the church. As you come here, you see people. Pray for one another because you see somebody and you, you see him for, you know, an hour or two here on Sunday morning. But we all have stuff we're going through. So just remember to pray for the people in our church that you know. Pray in general. God help them. Give them grace and peace and direction, wisdom, whatever. And some who aren't here today, okay? Some people aren't here for whatever reason. Say, Lord, you need them. we don't know why. You don't need to know all the reasons why, but pray for them too. So that's what I'm saying is pray. Pray for the leaders. Pray for the people. Just pray for... Pray for one another. It's, it's one of the most important things we can do. And, and I, I tell you, and I think most of you feel the same, but the spiritual battle, sometimes we feel it. Sometimes it's very intense. Sometimes not as tense. It's always intense. It's just that we don't always understand what's going on, and God doesn't let us know what's going on. All I'm just saying is let's pray for one another. Thank you. I invite you to stand with us for our final two songs. You Are My All in All is a great uh, chorus of um, recognizing that Jesus Christ is all of our lives. He is our everything. Uh, the way the song is sung, we'll sing both verses in the chorus, and then as we go back, the men will sing the chorus at the same time the ladies are singing the first two verses, kind of uh, battling each other, and that I hope not. But... <clears throat>
You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my only love. Seeking you as a precious jewel, Lord, to give up I'd be a fool. You are my only love. Taking my sin, my cross, my shame, rising again, I bless your name. You are my only love. When I fall down, you pick me up. When I am dry, you fill my cup. You are my all in all. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. I trust that as you've spent this time together singing, hearing God's word, you were greatly encouraged and excited about going into the world and seeing what God has for you. And uh, this is true of me. I like to, I like to have a melody in my heart everywhere I go. I, I find myself singing quite a bit. Sing, I'll be in the midst of something, all of a sudden I hear a hymn in the back of my head singing away. And I like that. I like that God can give us songs in our hearts. So the last hymn is Theirs Within My Heart, a melody. There's within my heart a melody Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace, peace, still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my longing. Peace me singing as I go. All my life was wrecked by sin and strife. Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. 
keeps me singing as I go, feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath the sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face. That is why I shout and sing, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep, trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, see his footprints all the way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The sweetest name I know Fills my every longing Keeps me singing as I go Soon he's coming back to welcome me Far beyond the starry sky I shall win my light to worlds unknown I shall reign with him on high Jesus, Jesus, sweetest name I know, fills my longing, keeps me singing as I go. Benediction from Jude 24 and 5. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.